Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. All right, on today's episode, we have a very special guest. We're going to be discussing the future of e-commerce and the exponential growth, especially over the last 18 months with the pandemic, how many of these companies are transitioning to the digital world. Our special guest today is Ivana Radojevic. She is an e-commerce marketer and the program director for Merchant Mastery. So I'm so excited to have her here on the show today. We're gonna get into this conversation for all of you who are business owners or who are working in this digital marketing space or even aspire to work in this space, this show is for you. You. Ivana, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here today and have this conversation on e-commerce and marketing because this is the time to have the conversation. Let's look back at the past year and a half and how the world has changed, um, especially with COVID and everything's going digital. Smaller companies are wanting to learn how can I make my business still be successful in a quote unquote virtual world or with some of those restrictions that we've had over the last year and a half. So I'm excited about this and and the things that you can bring to the conversation today. This is my favorite topic. Obviously I work in the field, but especially over the last year and a half, there's been some just crazy momentum in the e-commerce space. And I'm very passionate about the topic. So I'm really excited to chat about this. Let's start off and you can give us a little bit more about you and where you're from. Yeah, so my background actually in university, I studied political science of all things. So not marketing, not anything to do with e-commerce or anything like that. And right out of university, I did work for the government for a few years in different capacities on policy and things like that. And I did get a little bit of a taste for marketing in some of those roles. And I realized, you know, I really like this. And so I put on the brakes and I just decided, I don't know if I can see myself working in the government for 40 plus years. So I actually went back to school. I did a um, diploma in public relations. And then through that, I networked my way into the role that I have today. So just goes to speak to how I think you have an episode on this about your network and how important your network is. And I 100% agree with that. And yeah, from that, I ended up in the agency world. And I've been with the agency I work for now for six years. And then about Two years ago now, we launched Merchant Mastery, which is an online incubator for Shopify store owners. So I do a lot of instruction on email, SMS, and affiliated influencer marketing, and then coaching as well with merchants from all around the world. So that's my career trajectory in in a nutshell. Awesome. And I think one of the most exciting things to call out is that you're in another country. I am. I mean, we're located in Edmonton. And so this is where I have been for the last 21, 22 years. But before that, I lived in Germany with my family for eight years. And then before that, in Croatia, where I was born. So we hopped around a little bit. And I think that's so important, especially in business, when you are able to live and visit other countries and see how things are are going, it really helps conversations, depending on who your audience is, I should say, but it really helps to really transcend those conversations of how the business world works. And so 
Can you tell us something about your upbringing or even living in these other countries that may have had an impact on you within this space? Honestly, the biggest thing that I have learned, and I 100% credit my parents with this, I have learned this from them and seeing this with them having to restart their lives twice, essentially in two different countries, not speaking the language, not having jobs lined up, not having a support system in some cases. And they were so incredibly resilient, just anything that kind of life threw their way, they worked with it and came out on the other side and we're living in Edmonton here now, and they've made a life for themselves now. But the resilience that I saw, I think was just very ingrained in me. And even when I get knocked down in business, as you do, things don't always go smoothly and just being able to get back up and try again and not letting, you know, things knock you down for good. And I see this every single day with all the merchants that I've had the pleasure of working with and that I hopefully will be able to work with in the future as well. They are so inspirational. They're very resilient. They've had some very ups and some downs, and I learn a lot from them every day, but I would say the the common thing among them is that resilience and that grit to just get back up and keep going. Definitely. And I think that's getting me to the next question because I was going to ask you as far as like, who do you attribute your work ethic to? And it sounds like it would be your parents, but I don't want to speak for you. So I'll let you answer that question. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Without question, just it's, it's something that I've learned just seeing them work as hard as they did. And I even growing up and going to university and, and all these things, I always had very high goals for myself because I felt like I've been given this chance and I really, I can't let myself down, but I also can't let my parents down. They didn't come here for nothing. I remember a time in back in high school where I was you know, trying to get into university and I was trying to get my grades up as high as possible. You're told, Hey, this will open all these doors for you. The better grades you have, you get more opportunities with universities and all this stuff. And I remember taking calculus. I finished it at, with 75%, I think I had, but my goal was I wanted to get over 80% in every single course that I had. And so I retook the entire course just so I could get over 80%. And I didn't even do that much better. I got 82, but at least I beat the 80%. Looking back, like in hindsight now, would I do that again? Probably unnecessary. But at the time it was like, I felt like anything below that in my view of what I considered failure to me, I had failed. So I went and retook it, but now I think a little bit differently about these things, but definitely I would say my work ethic, that was something that was ingrained in me from a very young age. And, and I just hope to like be able to maintain it and maybe one day instill that in my kids. Yes. And so Ivana, what I would like to do is I know that some people are listening and you've given us some background on you. We want to get more into just the basic understanding of e-commerce, because believe it or not, there may be people who are listening who have no idea the conversation we're about to get into. So if you could break it down, that basic definition of e-commerce. Yeah, basically to keep it very simple, it's just selling something online, a product, whether it's a customer packaged good, maybe you sell like hair care or skincare or fitness equipment or supplements, furniture, basically pretty much anything that you can buy in a store, you can nowadays also buy online without ever having to actually set foot in a store. You just do it through the click of a button and it shows up at your door if you're Jeff Bezos within 24 hours. But if you're for most other merchants, depending on where they're shipping to, it's usually about around a week to two weeks. So yeah, it's just basically an online transaction. 
And just going back to your background, you mentioned how you worked in government and you've done all these different things and you didn't really focus on marketing in school. So what was that one thing that pushed you over into this marketing space? I noticed that I really liked communicating and being able to get people to with whether it's through copywriting or like emails or things like that to actually get them to perform a specific action, whether that was getting them to subscribe to something or actually getting them to like maybe sign up for a workshop or attend some kind of an event. And then eventually that sort of transition into actually getting them to buy things. And I really like like the psychology behind that and just being able to communicate with your customers and establishing and growing a business that way. And so I really found I had a knack for it. I really enjoyed it. The, at that point, the challenge was, okay, how do I make this transition now? Because going from like government and essentially a startup, which is where I started six plus years ago, is very different. That was, I don't want to say a shock to my system, but, or I guess you could say a little bit of a shock, but in a very good way, because it was just night and day from what I had experienced. But the amount that I learned within even just such a short period of time of working within like a startup environment. I don't know how long that would have taken me to learn in any other environment. So for me, it was a natural transition at that point. And it's honestly like one of the best decisions I've made. I definitely understand transitioning. That's something that I've done in my career. I I worked in corporate finance for seven years and there was like something itching for me to do something more and always had a love for technology, which landed me to like where I am today. But it's like, of course, like on the personal finance side, that's something that's like never ending passion. So I definitely understand um, your story. I want to talk about more of those trends people should be aware of when they're focusing on e-commerce and marketing. Give us a few things that the audience should pay attention to if they are a business owner. Yeah, just looking at the past year and a half, obviously, it has been a different time, if that's like putting it lightly, but but just to give you some context for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, that is the biggest event in e-commerce. It was in retail too, but in e-commerce, it's a massive time of the year. And uh, last year, sales on Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend for Shopify stores increased by about 76%. So from 2019 to 2020, it was 76% increase. This year, the predictions sort of everything that I'm seeing within the e-commerce community is that it's going to be even bigger than that. So there is massive opportunity for merchants in this space for Black Friday, Cyber Monday to really both sell to existing customers, but also acquire new customers, which is huge. So I think it's the context of e-commerce is constantly changing. That's one thing that I love about it, but it can also make it very difficult because things literally new, like Apple will push a new iOS update and all of a sudden our Facebook ads aren't performing as well. And all we can't track email open rates anymore. So you really have to be on your feet and be able to pivot quickly. And I know some people thrive in that environment and some might not necessarily like that, but in e-commerce, that is the reality. Things are changing all the time. You're constantly looking at your analytics. You're constantly looking at your customer acquisition costs. How do you get those down? And there's a lot of numbers involved and a lot of new tools and apps and all these things that are constantly coming out. So I think you do... Uh, within this space have to at least appreciate technology and be willing to pivot and think on your feet. 
Yeah, you said two things, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and my mind just went straight to sales mode because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like other times of the year where e-commerce really comes into play and those online sales. And I'm like, hmm, because I, I'm looking to purchase something and I know we have a holiday coming up, uh, Labor Day's coming up pretty soon. So is that also like a time of year that businesses should be focused on maybe having some of those sales components or targeted ads? Oh, yeah. For Black Friday, like the people that actually buy over the BFCM weekend, we call it, they, the majority or about 60% of people that buy from you on Black Friday have actually become familiar with your brand by Q3 of that same year, usually in Q1, Q2, actually. So for us, like I already start thinking about Black Friday campaigns in July, which is crazy to think about because nobody wants to start thinking about that when it's really nice outside and you don't want to think about potentially having snow on the ground, but we're already thinking about this in July. And so we're already testing offers in August, in September, like around Labor Day long weekend to see what resonates most with customers so that when Black Friday comes, we know what offer to go with, which is the one that's resonated the most with our customers in the past. But definitely it's not a last minute or the week before Black Friday, you're trying to come up with a campaign. Like that's... um going to be a very stressful time for you if you do it that way. So Ivana, with Black Friday coming up and you were just discussing this, I hear you have a course or a workshop coming up in relation to understanding how to navigate this e-commerce space. Yes, we do. We have a two-part workshop for specifically for helping merchants plan their Black Friday, Cyber Monday strategy this year. And the workshop is on September 29th and October 6th. It's four hours on each day. So it's a lot of content, but we're going to be going over offer strategy, website optimization, emails and ads. So the four big pillars of, uh, of e-commerce. And uh, it we have just the workshop component if somebody wants to just do the workshop, or we have a workshop and cohort component, which means we're um, also hosting small cohorts of about six people per cohort for the month of um, October, November, all the way until the end of December to help you with your Black Friday and holiday strategy and even your maybe your clearance strategy for January all the way until the end of the year. We're also going to be offering the replays of it. So if you can't make the live workshop, you can also purchase the replay afterwards. So yeah, I I hope to see some of your uh, listeners there. Yes, definitely. We'll post the link in the show notes and it sounds like an amazing workshop that's coming up. So I want to focus on businesses that really are still in that brick and mortar phase. And it could be a boutique, it could be some custom uh, clothing, it could be like anything, right? There's so many business ideas, but people who are still stuck in this brick and mortar space and don't have a presence on social media or in this digital world, what advice can you give to them? Yeah, so what we saw with especially when things started shutting down last year is that unfortunately a lot of these locations that only had brick and mortar stores and zero online presence they were hit extremely hard and they we had people knocking on our door like trying to get online trying to get a website set up because they couldn't operate anymore in their brick and mortar store and we, as a result, actually, we ended up offering a Shopify store build course that we just offered on a pay what you can basis, because at the time we just wanted to help people get online as, as quickly as possible. But I think more than anything, what I'm hoping people take away from the last year is the importance of having an online presence 
in addition to your brick and mortar if you have both, because it's just a backup plan if you can't have your brick and mortar store open for whatever reason, at least you still have your online store and you're still able to operate your business and ship out of your brick and mortar location. And you, you mentioned some custom items and absolutely you can do all of that stuff online as well. Like I have merchants that I work with that create custom like leather totes and cushion covers and like things like that. So and you can customize all of that online. There's all sorts of apps for this kind of stuff nowadays to make it very easy to do online. That would be my advice for anybody that does have only a brick and mortar. Look at having an online presence as well. Just if for nothing else, just to have it there as a fail safe in case for whatever reason, we have to shut everything down again. Definitely. And I can attest to so many conversations I've had with people who were almost blindsided by not having that digital presence and their business really went under. And some people haven't been able to make a comeback and um, really still trying to figure out what's next for them in their life and their business. So you just talked about some of the impacts it had on businesses not having that digital presence, but what are some resources that you can suggest to businesses who probably just don't know, maybe they don't have a marketing person in their network, or what I tend to find is with those smaller mom and pop shops, those are family owned. You typically have someone older in the family who's running things and they probably just don't have access or they aren't in the know of the newest technology. So what are some resources that you can suggest for them? Yeah. My first piece of advice, if somebody maybe isn't super tech savvy, they don't know how to build a Shopify store themselves, or they don't know how to run ads on Facebook and Google and Snapchat and Pinterest and all these things, because some of this stuff, like, yeah, you do need to, there's a learning curve involved. Even I still learn this stuff every day. And I would by no means consider myself an expert on the media buying side. Um, but in terms of getting help, if you wanted to get help with any kind of part of your online store, you Shopify has an expert marketplace where they actually have vetted kind of agencies and freelancers and web developers and all kinds of stuff that you can reach out to, to help you with that. There's also places like Fiverr and Upwork where you can find freelance people that can help you with your marketing, with graphic design, with building your store. But there's also a lot of free resources, which that's been the beautiful thing, I think, as well about the age of the internet is that there's so much learning for free on just YouTube. If you just go into YouTube and you type in, how do I build my Shopify store? I'm sure you will find hundreds of videos of people showing you how to do different aspects of that or how to run an ad or how to set up an email campaign. So that is... A, I still go there as well. YouTube is my go-to and Google when, when I'm looking for answers to certain things. And there is groups on Facebook as well, like e-commerce groups by places like, obviously like Merchant Mastery. We have one. Digital Marketer has one. E-commerce Marketing School, I think by Privy, they have one. There's all these free groups that you can join where people share resources all the time and ask questions and support each other. So there is a ton of online content to, to help you get started and also to help you get somebody to do these different things for you if you don't know how to do them yourself. And that's great information. So I, I know we've been focusing on business owners and things that can be very useful for them, but we may have someone who's listening who maybe they don't want to start a business. Of course, everyone doesn't have that entrepreneurial mindset. So maybe they're thinking of working in this space or transitioning in their corporate job. What's your number one tip for young professionals or someone who's aspiring to work in the e-commerce space? 
I mean, to the extent that people can do this, if you can actually try and start your own store, you don't have to start it and sell a million dollars a month. Even if it fails, that's fine. But it's going to give you experience in building a store, in running ads, in sending emails, in understanding how inventory works, in understanding how to find like suppliers and all these different things that kind of give you a holistic view of the e-commerce landscape. So I've worked with a number of people that we hire onto our team that have started Shopify stores. Some still have them, some failed, but that's totally a-okay with me because it just shows that they tried. I think that would probably give you like the most hands-on experience. And there are so many like online courses now as well that are, they offer uh, the course component and then weekly Q&As or something like that, where you can really learn some of these new skills that maybe aren't necessarily taught in like traditional university settings where you learn like these bigger um, concepts and theories, but uh, maybe sometimes they lack more of the hands-on tactical side of it. There is, that's been the nice thing, I think, over the last few years as well is just this explosion of online content where you can sign up and some of it is free, some of it is paid, but you just have to decide, okay, is this worth investing in? And I think most of the time, if you're really dedicated to it, you'll find that it is. That's some really great advice. And I'm sure someone can really take notes and really put something on their plate as far as whatever their next step is, if they are interested in making this a part of their career journey. So Ivana, we've had a great conversation and you touched base on several things and tips that people can really use not only in their business, but in their professional life, if this is something that they're wanting to move towards in the e-commerce space. And as we are moving forward to closing out the podcast, I always like to ask my guests one particular question as it relates to my brand. Of course, I teach financial literacy and the phrase that goes along with my brand, I'm sure you've heard it before, it's balling on a budget and it's been around, that term's been around for years, but I would like to know from your perspective, what does balling on a budget mean to you? First of all, I love that line. I think I've definitely found myself balling on a budget, especially when I changed careers and took a massive pay cut I and mean, going back to school and all this stuff. And you have to readjust your wants and your needs and figure out what's important to you. But I think for me, what it means is it also goes back to what's important to me on a finance side is living within my means and not having that sort of lifestyle creep that will come with when you get that promotion or you get that raise or you have your own online store and all of a sudden you are hitting that 1 million a month, but still being very aware of how much you're spending and being able to enjoy your life and the lifestyle that you're used to, but not go outside of that so that you end up finding yourself not being able to afford your bills, even though you are maybe making more money. So I think it just, yeah, it comes down to looking at what you want in life and, and how you're able to get there. And if you want to retire at, you know, 45, then maybe that means you need to ball on a budget a little harder until 45 so that you can hit that goal is what it means to me. Perfect. And as you were speaking, I said, oh, I said, okay, so she has a little bit of financial knowledge. All right. Because <laughs> I always tell people when you get the raise and if you increase your expenses, you no longer have a raise. People exactly. Want the nicer apartment, the nicer car, or it's always bigger and better. Or even if they're a homeowner, then they're like, all right, it's time to upgrade the home. And they're not thinking about saving. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I will say that. Yeah, it's the keeping up with the Joneses phenomenon, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> 
so many people get caught up in that, especially in the social media space. We log on Instagram and we see the people taking pictures with the fancy cars and standing outside of jets. And I always tell people, don't get caught. Sometimes it's real. Sometimes it's a facade, but (laughs) just worry about your own life and your own budget. Where can people find you online if they're wanting to get in touch with you to learn more about e-commerce and digital marketing? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to connect with with any of your listeners. I'm always happy to chat. The best place is on, I am on LinkedIn. If you just, you know, search for Ivana Radojevic, I should come up. I am also on Instagram and I post, you know, obviously some lifestyle stuff on there, but also e-commerce stuff and and things about our upcoming events and workshops and things like that. So I am at iv.ra on there because believe it or not, every variation of my name was taken for some reason. But and, uh, and and for Merchant Mastery, if you want to learn more about that, just go to merchantmastery.io. We also have a Facebook group by the same name that anybody's welcome to join. So find me on any one of those platforms. Awesome. And Ivana, do you have any last words for our guest today? Yeah, I think if Anybody here listening is thinking of starting an online store or kind of has been putting it off and because they either don't understand it or think it's going to be a lot of work. It is going to be a lot of work, but I think now's as good a time as any. I only see e-commerce growing more in the next decade and beyond. If you are going to start it or if you do want to try it, really now's the time. So I would say Take the leap, give it a go. And if you fail, it's not the end of the world because we've all failed. It's Thanks for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money. 